Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Well, this message series, God Struggles, y'all have talked about a lot of cool things. If you struggle, you're in good company. We all know that. We've talked about faith. We've talked about identity. We've talked about fear. Uh, And today's title is simple. It's called, It's Too Good to Be True. Come on, just say it out loud. And if you're by yourself, say it to yourself. If you're with somebody, turn to them and say, it's too good to be true. Uh, I want to talk to you about contentment. You know, the thing about contentment that's interesting is that when you're truly content, you actually have this thought quite a bit of, man, it's, this is just too good to be true. I, don't know, I didn't know that life could actually look like this. So throughout this, these couple of minutes that we have together, I'm going to do a, a fair amount of confessing. <laughs> I'm going to lay myself out there a little bit uh, to let you know some contentment. I don't want to say issues. I would just say it's a straight problem that I've had in my life. Um, you know, contentment, you're usually in one of two places. The one place is saying, no matter what I do, no matter how successful I am, no matter how many kids I have, no matter what I drive, no matter what value I find, whether it's on social media or in money, it's never enough. And it's not that it's, it's never enough because you're an awful person. It's that there is this, this fight for your, for your, for your vision. There, there's a fight for direction. There's a fight for you to be locked in, right? And so there's this concept that it's just never enough. But then the flip side of that, where maybe some of you are sitting, is saying, well, man, it's good. Life is good. I don't really need for anything else. I'm just chilling. I'm, I'm loving life. I'm enjoying where I'm at. One says it'll never be enough no matter what. And the other position says, man, I could just stop right now and I would be happy with the rest of my life. Neither one of those are a healthy version of contentment. You see, God's definition of contentment is having the faith to know that God will set me up and then trusting him to do it which means you have to let go of the humility and control or actually have some humility and let go of the control that we try to have. We want contentment, but on our terms. Contentment isn't a physical term, it's a spiritual term. It's something that means much more than what you have and how you're valued. It's, it's a different type of alignment than that. You know, I, I think that for me, there has been a lot of scenarios of issues with contentment that I've had. One, I remember I got this, Toyota Camry, this was back in probably 2007, the new body styles came out, had some nice rims on it, these chromes, I was driving around feeling like I was worth a million dollars, and just drive, I mean, I felt so good in this car, I felt like this was me, if I was a car, I was this Camry with these nice rims, and uh, I remember pulling up next to this really nice SUV, I'd only had the car for maybe eight months, really nice SUV, and I looked to the side, and I realized at that point that I couldn't even see the driver, and the driver probably couldn't see my rinky-dink little car because the SUV sat higher than my car. And I remember in that moment thinking, I don't want a car with some rims. I want an SUV where I feel bigger than everybody else. And so you know what I did? Two years later, I went and bought a bigger SUV, a bigger SUV that sat up. But you know what the problem was with that big SUV? As I lived in Missouri, in this particular city in Missouri called Springfield, the roads were a little tighter. And I didn't feel like driving this big SUV in heavy traffic all the time. And so what I did was I took my wife's two-door little sports car and I zipped around town in that. Why? I liked the truck if I was on a big road trip, but I didn't feel like driving it around all the time. I wasn't content no matter what I did. 
You know, I got four boys. I love my four boys. They're great four boys. They're good looking four boys. My wife and I live in Virginia Beach in the oceanfront. I mean, we got nice stuff, nice cars, a nice home. We are homeowners. We got a great church, a great community. And I love all these things. And man, I don't want for anything else. I'm content. Until I meet somebody that has better kids than mine. They act better and their cars have a little more upgrades than mine got. They have the same, they have a house in the oceanfront, except for theirs is nicer, a little closer to the water. And they have a community too. It's just their community is what I've deemed, maybe their community is a little more supportive, right? And I thought I was a, and I thought I was a great church planter. I love planting a church, man. 2014, raw, charged the hill. I planted a church. And we were crushing it. We were seeing people saved and people baptized. And I thought that we were the church plant of all church plants. The world will never be the same. And then Lifehouse Newport News launched, and I felt like I did nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just the way it goes. Then John Ware comes along and ends up planting this church. And, you know, 14 million people come to know Jesus in the first three months. It's like, what am I doing? I'm I'm nothing. You see, it, it, not to be funny, but the reality is you be, comparison is always going to contradict calling. You know, the contentment and your, and your comparison is always going to go against the calling that God's got in your life. And you don't realize, but as you go further, if Satan can get you to look sideways, then God won't be able to get you to look forward. He can get you comparing and, and worrying about where everything is at, but there, the comparison and the contentment is absolutely going to be that arch rival of the calling that God has on your life. It is a distraction method, and the reality is every one of us have fallen into it. We're not awful for doing it, but this is where we can say, no, 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 I'm going to pause, and I'm going to recognize today that this isn't going to be the case anymore. There's a story that many of you may have heard in Matthew chapter 19, the the rich man that comes to Jesus. I don't want to get stuck on this because that's not, well, I don't want to use that avenue as to he got to get rid of his stuff and that's what contentment is. That's not, that's not the, the, the point of what I want to tell you. But Jesus gets asked by this man who had a lot, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What do, what do I need to do to go to heaven? And what it says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 20, Jesus tells him, he says, well, you got to obey my commandments. And his response to Jesus, when Jesus says, obey all my commandments, he says, well, I've obeyed these commandments and he says, what else must I do? Okay, I've done what you said. I've been a good person. I've, I've not killed anyone. I'm honoring my parents. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything to go against the Ten Commandments. So what else? And you might think, well, that's enough. And when you read the parable, if you really read it, it's about salvation. But really the bigger picture, Jesus isn't saying that you can't make it to heaven. What he's saying is you can never be full. And it goes on in verse 21. Jesus told him, if you want, and this is such a random way to write this verse or to say this verse, but it says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. You see, Jesus didn't say he couldn't follow him if he didn't sell all of his possessions. That's not what he said. Jesus is saying, if you wanna be in the best place, get rid of all this stuff and then come because Jesus knew that there would be a contradiction. Jesus knew that there would be a competition for who he was gonna serve. It wasn't that he couldn't go to heaven with stuff. It's not even what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, have you done the 10 commandments? He said, yeah, I've done these things. I've been faithful to these things. He said, okay, well, you really wanna know? And then he uses this weird word, perfect. Well, that's not what Jesus meant in the way we think of it, right? Well, what Jesus meant is that word perfect, it means complete. What Jesus was saying to him is you've done all the right things, but if you wanna be complete, if you wanna be complete and content, a spiritual position, 
then you need to go ahead and get rid of this. It, it's, the thing is, if you won't stay unless you're content. Jesus knew this man with all of his stuff, there would be a point where he was gonna have to make a decision because that contentment, that spiritual position, he was have to make a decision as to what was more valuable in his life. And not that you can't have stuff, but we get it mixed up. We always define contentment as a physical place. It's not. You know, contentment, it's too good to be true. That's the reality of contentment. It is too good to be true in our life. And if you go on in Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, I love what Peter, you gotta love Peter. You know, Peter, the disciple, always chopping people's ears off and always being the one outspoken, walking on water. But Peter said to Jesus, he says, okay, well, we've given up everything, meaning the 12 disciples, we've given up everything to follow you, so what are we gonna get? You know, Peter asked this question because the disciples did give up everything. But Peter wasn't asking it as a way to question Jesus. He's asking it because he's excited that he won something. Okay, okay, we follow the 10 commandments. Okay, what's the next thing? Jesus said, well, you gotta get rid of this stuff. Get rid of it. And Peter said, okay, we've done that. What are we at? It's almost like price is right. Come on down. You won. Peter's like, okay, we've done this. What do we get? And Jesus responds to him. And it says, Jesus replied, I assure you, that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, come on, somebody. He says, you who have been my followers will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So he's saying, you guys are gonna be right next to me in all this. You have given up everything. You're the starters. Without you guys, the church isn't gonna start. He says, and you're gonna be sitting here. And then he goes on and he says, and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Now, the reason this is interesting because this is, an exact, this is not an exact number. It's a figure of speech. It's not a technical number of if you give up a hundred. What Jesus is saying is I'm gonna do more in your life than you'll ever imagine, but the reward that you think you've gotten here isn't even the reward. I'm gonna give you a reward on this side of heaven, but the reward I have coming is greater than anything you can even think, ask, or imagine. You see, when you're battling contentment in society, it's about contentment and status. But when you're resting in God's contentment, it's about everybody else. When you're, when you're thinking about how can I be content around here, you're thinking about, am I happy with my success? Do I have enough followers? Does the vision of, the, of my life, is it filling what I think it should be? Do I have a business plan? Do I have a marketing plan? Do I have a strategy financially for my life? It's all about us. It's all about how we can go somewhere. It's all about how we can be better. It's all about how we can be something different. And what God's plan is saying, no, if you're content in the things of me, you're focused on everybody else because you're not worried about all these things. It doesn't mean you're irresponsible and negligent. It's saying that they're not a priority, but me using you and having my word in you and being uh, 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 something powerful is the priority in your life. I mean, this is so fascinating to me because I don't know how it is for you, but the hardest thing for me is to get over me. The hardest thing for me to do is to think about you before I think about me. You know how hard it is for me whenever I post something on Instagram I'm a little insecure about to think about you? No, I think about how you'll respond and what it'll make me look like. I don't think about how it's gonna affect your life most of the time. I think about how it could possibly negatively affect mine. You know, like I'm not thinking about you. Why? Because we worry about our image. We worry about the perception. We worry about what people think. And what happens is that is us battling a contentment, thinking I'll just be happy here. If you're, if you're battling contentment in your life, once you get one thing under wraps and under control, there's gonna be something else that you're gonna be trying to juggle. Contentment's never gonna be found on this side of heaven. It's, it's not a place of rest that you can find 
here. It's a place, you can, a place of rest you can find in him. It's, I like nice things. I don't apologize for that. I like, I like conveniences. I don't apologize for that. There's a lot of things my wife and I won't spend money on, but one thing we do is we like to eat well, and when we travel, we like to stay in nice places. You know, my wife and I go away on an anniversary vacation. I'm not trying to cut, cut the budget by staying in somewhere that isn't nice. I want to stay somewhere nice. I don't want to come back with a rash from where I slept. I don't want to have to use soap that somebody already used. I don't want to have to hope that nobody breaks in the door in the middle of the night. I want to stay somewhere nice. That's not too much to ask, Right? But you got to figure out where you want to, that, that's just figuring out what you like, what your preference is. But that's not contentment. You can come back from a time away, and I've done it, and be more miserable than when you left, not because of the company you're with, but because you're miserable. But because now you're, you're facing a new reality. Maybe you're coming back from vacation, and you don't want to get back to work. You don't want to have to go back to your life. Well, that's not because your life is the problem. It's because our contentment is the problem. We're at this place where we just can't find rest. We're at a place where we can't find rest in our normal everyday life. You know, you can't escape an issue with contentment, but you can align spiritually to a place where it's not an issue. That's what Jesus is trying to speak to this rich young ruler about. He says, listen, I don't, you're, you're doing all the right things. And he says, well, what do I need to do? And he said, just get rid of your stuff. Are you, are you going to hell if you haven't gotten rid of it? No. I just know that it's going to be the thing that holds you up unless you're willing to. See, we don't know the end of this story. We know that he walked away, but what we don't know is that had he done that, what he would have become. What would he have become? Because if Jesus is giving us those things on the, after this earth, what would he have even given back to that man on this earth? I mean, you have the story of Job where he multiplied over and over and over and over and over and all these disciples, they might not have, they, some of these disciples, they had financial resources, but some of these disciples, they were more content in their sufferings than they ever were whenever they were running their businesses. Contentment is not a place that you can get to financially. It's not the amount in a 401k. Contentment is not a place where you say, man, I'm finally good. Because if you've arrived somewhere, you're still not content. Contentment is a place within you that is just okay, regardless of circumstance. And you say, well, how do we get there? What, is that, what does that look like? I would love to tell you that I know. I think in seasons I do. I think I'm still figuring that out. I can be very selfish. My wife and I last October we bought an RV and it was a lot longer and a lot bigger than I had ever wanted to buy. But we have four kids and my wife saw this one that she wanted and we thought, you know what? This is the right one. She, she, she says that she got in the back of that thing and the Lord spoke to her like, this is good. It's okay to have these things. So we bought it and I didn't even have a truck. And so after we bought it, I went and had to buy a truck. And so my wife recently put us online. There's a Facebook group called RVs for MDs. And basically what it is, is you take your RV to somebody's home who's on the front lines with this coronavirus and they're serving coronavirus patients. They're working in the hospitals and you're basically providing an RV so that they can stay at their house, but they won't be in proximity to their family. Like they have no place to stay. Some of these uh, doctors are staying outside on their decks in tents. And so I'll be honest, when my wife told me about this, I'm thinking, man, we just got this thing. We're going to send it somewhere we don't even know, and we got to figure out a way to get it. All the things about me, about inconveniences, about Brandon, about how you just bought it, about money. It was all about me. And my wife, thank goodness, she is such a better human than me. She was like, this is what we need to do. God has given this to us as a gift. It wasn't by happenstance. He gave it to us last fall. He was in time for this. And I'm thinking, well, he should have waited till next year. We didn't have to do this, right? That was my heart. It was not good. And it was because I was being selfish. Well, this is our vacation. This is what we do when we go on vacation. We don't just get, you know, it was just all about me. It was about my stuff. It was about protecting something that I didn't even earn, but God gave it as a gift. 
And recently we've got hooked up with, with, uh, with somebody who needs this. And I can tell you the greatest feeling is when you can actually give somebody something that you have that can benefit their life. I love to tell you, man, I just felt so good about it. I felt like I did the right thing. No, I was the one the whole time that in my spirit, I knew it was the right thing, but in my spirit, I was like, man, I hope nobody, I hope nobody calls. I hope nobody calls, man. I hope this thing falls through. You know, nobody wants this old janky RV. <laughs> nobody wants this thing. And I was praying that prayer. Why? Because it was about me. And the Lord, he checked me. He just said, hey, man, you don't have to do this. You don't have to. You're not a bad person for it. But if you're not careful, this type of thing can keep you from me. Because my heart isn't seeing through. It's not being seen. It's, it, people aren't going to be able to see it. It doesn't mean you have to give everything you got, but I believe it's very clear in Scripture. It says, if you've got something your neighbor needs, then give it to him. I wish I could tell you that contentment is my MO. It's what I'm known for. It's not. Just like you, I like to be known for things. Just like you, I like to know, yeah, look at my success. Look at what God has done through my life, and I've had to battle those things. Why? Because there's something deep within Brandon Shank that still needs validation. And at times I've found that in things that aren't God, and because of that, God's saying, I need you to sell those things. Some of the greatest ministers in the church are those who have resources the rest of us don't that help push the church forward financially, absolutely. They're gifts to the local church. But with contentment, people with that kind of resource doesn't look at it as something they have. They look at it as something that they're stewarding for God. It's a different picture. At the very end of this, in verse 30, Jesus tells them, he says, many of the people, this is the end of the conversation, he said, many of the people who are the greatest now, they'll be the least important then. And he's talking about after this life, on the other side, in heaven. He said, and then those who seem the least important now, they're going to be the greatest then. You know, what world are you living in? Are you living in the now with what people see? Your body is aging. Every, you're, you're closer to death right now than you were before I started speaking. I'm sorry. It's just the reality of it. You got less time right now than you had before. I'm, thanks for spending it with me. I'm glad I got to spend it with you. But what world are you living in? Are you living in the world right now and what you see around you in Newport News and Hampton and Virginia Beach and Portsmouth and Suffolk and Chesapeake or, or James City or Williamsburg? Are you living in the now or are you living in the then saying, God, I'm, I'm not planting seeds to get a reward. I'm doing things because I'm hoping that everything I touch you will be seen. That's what I want people to see. You know, I think it seems like the ones that seem like they have everything now are gonna have nothing then, right? And then the ones who have everything then, it's gonna, there's nothing now, it's gonna seem like they have everything then. And there's people who have a lot now that'll have a lot then. And why? It's not because of a financial position. It's saying, what are you positioning God to do in your life? There's a couple of thoughts. The one is this. Contentment is based on measurement. It's completely based on measurement. Society, if you base your, your contentment on society, you'll always have more than enough or not enough. You're going to always look around and look at people and say, man, I'm better than them. Or you look at somebody who has more than you say, man, I'm not as good as them. You'll never be content. You'll always say, it's more, not enough. There's never a place of peace. 
But when God, you're going to measure in the spiritual, there'll always be a death. There's always going to be hurt. There's always going to be pain. There's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be crisis. The world's contentment is unstable. It's like a stock market type of faith. You don't ever know what you're going to get. But God's contentment is unchanging, and it never changes. What's your measurement? Are you measuring against the spiritual things? Are you measuring against the world? It is fragile. It is a joke. It is such a letdown when you find out, I have gotten things that I have attained to do, and I am not the better for it. The only thing in my life that I am better for is allowing God to break me in places that I was insecure and unsure about because it helps me to see him. You know, it says in, in my weakness, you're my strength, but you don't really know who God is until you're at a place of brokenness, not humiliation. Humiliation sometimes is just a response to pride. I'm talking about brokenness. I'm talking about a place where you yearn for a touch from your dad. You need Jesus to fill a void that's seemingly unfillable. I believe that's what he wants to do with you today. Your contentment could be linked to something you experienced. It could be linked to what you see on a phone or on your computer. It could, it could be linked to the, the tragedy surrounding us. It could be linked to PTSD or it could be linked to a plethora of things the great thing is you have the choice. You can unlink it from that and link it right into the things of God and say, Lord, I'm not willing to let this stuff be the thing that holds me back. I'm not willing. I don't want to live a life to get through on this side. I want to grow through this. I want to be something great. I want to do something that I never thought I could do. But the second thing is this. So contentment, it's based on measurement. But the second is contentment. It's not a physical condition. It's spiritual alignment. It's not a place you can get to. It's not a thing you can attain. It's not something you can accomplish. It's not a value that you can finally get to. It's not a numeric value that you can finally succeed to. It's not a home size that you can finally graduate to. It's not the amount of bathrooms or bedrooms in a home or the amount of uh, garage space you have for your cars and regardless of what kind of cars they are. It's not about the, the influence that you have or the amount of followers that you have or, or how, many, how long it takes for 10,000 people to like a picture. That is not content. Contentment. Contentment is being aligned with the things of God and knowing you love people, but they don't determine your value. They don't determine your push. They don't determine your steps. They don't determine your swag. They don't determine how you see things. They don't determine how you regurgitate things. They don't determine how you let ingest the things of God. They don't determine how you feel about the king of kings. They don't determine it because that's called faith. And faith is, is, is such a crazy thing because it's something you're supposed to believe in, although you can't see it, which makes no sense. And that's why it's called faith. That is spiritual alignment. Saying I'm locked in and I sure don't know what's going on, but I don't need to because I am content in the king of kings and he's got this. And I'm gonna be humble and broken enough to let him take it. And I'm gonna let go of control. You know, years ago, probably six years ago, I got off of social media and at the time, I thought it was because I was doing a spiritual thing. I thought that I was stepping into the next realm of what God had for my life. Little did I know, it was actually at the beginning of a very big season of my life where I was going to go through multiple counselors. I was going to be diagnosed with childhood PTSD. And some of you may remember this, some of my story from October when I shared diagnosed and, and walking through you know, suicidal depression. I had no idea this stuff was deep within me. I just knew that there was this thing in me that wasn't good. 
I didn't know that it was years and years and years and years and years of buried emotion and pain and hurt and, and anger and resentment and frustration that had gotten to a place that I needed God to move in a way that only God can move. I didn't know that. But what I knew is that when I got off of Facebook and I, 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 I didn't have Instagram, I don't even know if, what, what that looked like back then, six years ago. I don't, know how, how, I don't know what Instagram was then. I just know I didn't have anything. And so over the years, I had jumped on and off of Instagram a tiny bit, but I just stayed off of everything until two weeks ago. I got back on Facebook because with everything happening, it had been about five or six weeks in and I don't have a Facebook account. I just didn't really do anything with Instagram. I had gotten off it. I, I jumped back onto those because I know they're like kind of the go-tos and before I started exploring other social media options that are out there. And immediately I just started friending everybody that I knew and I started getting all these friends back. And what I realized is like, man, we've gotten old. <laughs> I was like, whoa, man, we've gotten old. I'm glad I don't look that old. And I looked at pictures, I was like, bro, you don't look like no, you're not a high schooler either. You've gotten old, you know? And so I just realized, man, we've gotten old. And I realized there are people's lives have moved on. I asked my wife, somebody got, I was like, I didn't know she got married. And Casey said, yeah, she got married two years ago. I was like, I have been out of touch with all of reality. I'm telling you, I could not believe what I was seeing. I, congratulations on the kids. All three of them didn't know. I mean, I had no idea what I was missing out on. I felt like the, I, it was the weirdest feeling. It was the weirdest feeling. Sat, I did that on a Friday night, probably two weeks ago. Saturday morning, I wake up. I get out of bed and I'll stand thinking, have I been put in a time capsule or warp speed ahead? What has happened to my life? I felt like I had inherited hundreds of friends that I now had, that I was reconnected with from childhood, that I had no idea where their life was at. And now it was like we we're buddies again. I couldn't wait to read up and see what was going on in their life. I was the ultimate Facebook stalker. For anybody who said, yes, I know all about your life because I couldn't wait to figure out what you've been doing for the last six years. Congratulations on the wedding. But what I didn't realize at the time that I actually realized when I was putting this message together is that I didn't get off of Facebook and Instagram and social media and Twitter because God was calling me somewhere for a platform. I didn't know at the time, but I was getting off those things right before I went through the toughest emotional time of my life. And I was going off of there for God to put me in that capsule for healing. You see what God did was he shut out every voice in my life. My life consisted of loving my wife the best that I could and trying to love my boys. keeping all the noise out. I pastored the church. I led the best that I could and I tried to survive. That's what it felt like. You know, for three years, probably 150 Sundays to prepare messages and preach them felt a lot like cutting your foot 10,000 times and running 10 miles every week. That's kind of what it felt like in my spirit, preparing and preaching. At the time, I thought God was just doing something great. I didn't realize that the great was actually something he was healing, not something that I thought and growing success and growing value. I'm so glad he saw it in a way that I couldn't because my idea of contentment would have been very different. You know, my value, it's not found in the world. It's not found in fame. It's not found in reputation. It's not found in influence. It's not found in things that I drive or money. And the reason that I can tell you that, and I can say that not because I'm a pastor and you think I should have to say that because I don't, but I can tell you that my contentment is nowhere near this world. Let me tell you why. 
because I've been on the other side of it where suicidal depression is real. I've been on the side of it where I've been up for nights on end staring at a ceiling in panic attacks. I've been on the other side of it where you relive the moments of sexual abuse over and over and over and over and over. I've been on the side of it where every day, every day, 15, 20 times a day, you go through a very detailed, worked out plan of how to take your life for two years straight. I've been on that side. In the quietness, in the, in the depth of a dark cave where nobody knew I was, and all of my friends were getting old and I wasn't, God worked out my faith. And for some of you, you know what that's like. You know what it's like to have to work out your faith in a, thinking God's doing one thing, but really he's doing something different. He wants to work out your faith. That's why I can tell you contentment looks different. Because quite frankly, when you've been there, everything else, you see how cheap it is. You see how empty it is. It's not hard for you to believe people that are well-known, that live in mansions, that have a ton of influence and more Instagram followers than all of us combined take their life. It's not hard to understand that because you realize how empty it is because contentment is being aligned with the things of God. He wants to do it in your life. And I believe in you will. And right now, I just want to pause. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what life looks like for you. But the greatest decision you will ever make is to follow Jesus. The greatest decision that you will ever say yes to is to say, God, I need you. Listen, this doesn't fix everything, but it's the beginning. It will, but you're going to have to be committed to him. Just like you're committed to other things, you're going to have to be committed to him more than you've committed to anything in your life. And you're going to have to trust him whenever things don't make sense. Would you just, wherever you're at, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? And if you don't know Jesus, I want you just to say this prayer. I want you to say, dear Jesus, come into my life. I surrender all that I am to you. I give you my desires. I give you my dreams. I believe Jesus died, but lives today. And I surrender in Jesus' name. Listen, that's the greatest prayer you ever pray. There's gonna be some direction on how you, tell us in the comments, email us, send us a direct message. There'll be other ways that we're gonna get you some information on how to do that, but let us know right now that you made that commitment because we wanna be a part of this journey with you. We wanna make sure that you know how much we love you, that you're not in this alone, and that we take very seriously the process of being able to walk with you, regardless of where you're at. And, and, and this is what Jesus did. Nothing that you do is ever gonna be more intense than what he did for you. And he, he is doing it every day for us, knowing that he would do it tomorrow if he had to. He doesn't have to, but he loves us that much. And so I want to give you one word of encouragement as, as, as we go, and it's this. It's a psalm that I repeat all the time, because you might say, okay, Brandon, but how do I get there? What's the mindset shift that has to happen? It's, it's Psalm 118, verse 24. And many of you may know this verse, but it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You know what I love about this verse? It says, this is the day the Lord has made. That means he manufactured it. He created it. It wasn't just something that was on an assembly line, but he has strategically placed it, strategically placed things around it, strategically placed the details of it so that you could have the day that he made. And you know what it says for us to do? We have to rejoice. And that word rejoice, it doesn't just mean be excited. It means rejoice. 
let's go, let's go, right? It means let's celebrate, let's rejoice. That's what it means to rejoice because when you rejoice like that, you can be glad in it because there's something different. There's something powerful. There's something special. So this is the day that he has made. We need to rejoice and be glad in it. It's a physical thing. And you might say, well, why is this verse the key? Let me tell you why. Simplicity. This is a day he has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it because contentment is about this moment, not the next. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.